Okay, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Did you see, I don't know if you noticed, Chris was leading worship from the base. Do you know how hard it is to lead worship from the base? I don't. I just was wondering if you did. Seems hard. I mean, here's what I can do. That's about it for me. That's like talented. So I, there were some words that we sang that, um, and here's why we sing. We connect the truth of God to our heads and our hearts, and it makes a difference. And um, so I just want to remind us of some words we sang before we step into the message today. As I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. You came along and put me back together. Here's the, this great thing. We are all a story of like Humpty Dumpty, right? We all have fallen off a wall and tried all these things, all the king's horses and all the king's men to try and get ourselves back together again. Um, and none of that works, but Jesus works. I'll sing through the night. And sometimes I think we want to pretend there is no night, that everything's great, everything's okay, when, especially when you're in churches, when people say, hey, how are you doing? It's like, it's, I'm supposed to say great, I guess, so I'll just say great, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, I got to tell you, I haven't had a very good week. I hate wind. I hate wind. It's like my least favorite natural phenomenon, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, cold, you can put another jacket, rain, you can get an umbrella, you just can't do anything about the wind. So I have a friend um, that, we, I was actually at a restaurant one time, and this girl walks in, and she's like, I hate weather, which I think is a great thing. I hate weather. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. So every time it's windy, I text him, I hate weather. So the therapist says it's good to get stuff off your chest. That's my stuff today to get off my chest. Um, we are trying really hard on this mission to um, bring this back, this phrase right here back, Merry Easter. So as, we, as we've talked about that last couple of years, actually I was mentioned it last week, obviously, because it was Easter. And someone pulled me aside and said, hey, 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 you, we, can't, we can't just substitute Merry for happy. Like you can't say it with the same kind of thing, like the same politeness as happy. You've got, there's got to be like a little soul to it. There's like, and, and we talked like um, 17th century English churchmen decided that Mary Easter was just a little too much, that we needed to be a little bit more down here. And so they started saying happy Easter. They actually did that with Christmas too. That's why people in England say happy Christmas mostly. So, uh, so we're going we're gonna to say this with a little soul and, um, and maybe a little Santa almost in it, right? Mary Easter. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Easter. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Paul. Um, because we think that Easter is important. That's, we're doing a whole series. We're actually doing a three-week series, walking through Easter. We talked last week about Easter, obviously, uh, from Mark's perspective. We're going to look at Matthew today, and we're going to look at Luke next week. And honestly, we could do we could do Easter every fifty, all fifty-two weeks, because Easter really is the central event of of Christianity. The reason that we're here today isn't because the Sermon on the Mount was great. It was great. Not, it wasn't because, the, because Jesus was a good person. We're here today because Jesus rose from the dead because we believe in the, the resurrection. Um, and it's a pretty significant belief. And it's, it's one of those harder, harder things to kind of wrap your head around. And uh, I would love, man, if, you're in, if in, you're in a group, like Jesus' disciples were, we talked last week, Jesus' disciples were in a group that said, this is impossible until they saw him and experienced him. And maybe that's who you are. That's kind of the group that you're in. And I, man, I would just love to have a conversation with you, um, not to talk you into anything, but just to hear from you and learn from you and have a conversation about why I believe the resurrection is true. So um, 
yeah, mark on your card, take me to lunch or something like that, and I'll, I'll be glad to do that. So here's how important Paul thought the resurrection was. He, he says this, the Apostle Paul, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. Like, hey, you know, here's, how, here's the centrality of this resurrection deal. If, if there's no Easter, then, then, then we might as well just, just blow the whole thing up. And so we've been talking about last week and the next couple of weeks about reframing our lives around the central reality of the resurrection of Jesus. And what does it look like to kind of open our lives up? And we talked about walls that we kind of sometimes build and we kind of want to open our walls up, reframe the houses of our minds and our hearts, open ourselves up to the reality of the resurrection to experience his power. Um, Mark 15 ends, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Mark 15. Mark 15 ends with Jesus crucified, taken down off the cross, hurriedly, hurriedly wrapped up and tossed into a tomb, stone rolled away, guards posted. Uh, that's kind of that, that's Friday night. That's how, that's how Friday night ended in this Easter story. And as we're reading through Mark, we got to the end of chapter 15. And remember, they didn't know there was chapter 16 coming. And so for them, it would really was like this sen sense of fade to black. Like we're, we're in this movie, can you imagine? And, and you watch the, res the, the crucifixion happen and then the stone gets rolled in place and the guards are posted and the, the movie goes black. And you start thinking, is that it? That's a really sad movie. Maybe just kind of start grabbing your keys and looking for your phone and kind of dealing with the heaviness of that moment. You know, there were no Jesus followers the Saturday of the, after the crucifixion. They were all in that place, right? Like, is that it? Is that the story? kind of gathering up their lives like we would gather up our phones and our keys after a movie. The Bible says that, that many of them just went back fishing. Like, oh. Can you imagine you're like in that scene and you got your keys and found your coat and grabbed your cell phone and just about to get up and then the light begins to come back on the screen. And maybe you grab the people next to you and you're like, wait, 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 it's not, it's not over. Wait, is there a possibility that this is not over? Is, is darkness not just the end? And, and that's where we find these folks today, living in that space between the crucifixion and the burial on Friday night and the resurrection on Sunday. We're talking about that darkness, the darkness of, of pain and disappointment, frustration, confusion. And what we're going to talk about is this simple idea that Jesus brings light to darkness. And the resurrection is Jesus bringing light to darkness. And I want to be really careful because I think particularly American Christianity has, has sold us a version of Jesus that's kind of this happy, clappy version of Jesus that that uh, that if anything goes wrong, something's wrong with us. If anything goes wrong in our lives, something's wrong with us. 
uh, that if, if, any, if we encounter any difficulty, because, man, I'm doing everything right, and, and, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and, I'm, and it's still hard. That feels really confusing, because I think we've sold this sense of Christianity of like, hey, you do what Jesus tells you, you're going to have this great life. You're not going to struggle or suffer. It's like this, this sales pitch we use. The only problem with that sales pitch is just not biblical at all. It's not what Jesus would say. There's this, my, one of my favorite authors is a lady named Barbara Brown Taylor, and, um, and she uses this phrase, full solar Christianity. And it's just, it's just Christianity that refuses to do anything but smile, refuses to admit that there's ever anything difficult. When anybody says, hey, how are you doing? It's always, great, great, nice to see you, brother, right? How are you? Blessed, great, right? The only problem with full solar Christianity Christianity is it's just completely unrealistic. When we, when we encounter difficulty in our lives and we're kind of in this place where we think, hey, I'm supposed to feel really great about things. I'm supposed to feel really great. We encounter difficulty or we've encountered difficulty in our past or we carry some shame or, or we're, we're dealing heavy into our addiction and you know we're all addicted, right? We all have things that we go to when we want to control our feelings, when we want to feel a little bit better about things. Some things maybe are more detrimental than others, but we're all addicted. And when those things come up in full solar Christianity, it's kind of what we, we have to figure out what to do with these, so we kind of have this closet that we like, we shove this stuff in. You guys have a, that closet in your house or that drawer in your house when people are coming over, you're just like... Shove everything, make the house look great, under the couches, under the beds, those kinds of things. We have those kinds of things in our lives as well. Like those, those places that we hide stuff, sometimes even from ourselves. That's why full solar Christianity isn't just unrealistic, it's harmful. It's harmful because we're a less authentic version of ourselves. Without vulnerability, there's no growth. We, be, we become, honestly, we, we take more energy sometimes just covering up what we've done than actually figuring out how to move forward from it. And, and then we have a community that becomes completely unhelpful in times of darkness and difficulty because our, our only advice is do better, pray more. What did you do? Instead of, instead of willing to just be willing to sit with somebody in their dark spaces and have them sit with you. So that's where we're going to pick up the story in Matthew 28. We're going to pick up the resurrection story in Matthew 28. But first, before we turn, I'm going to pray. Would you uh, bow your heads so we can pray? Lord, as we walk through some authentic and vulnerable places, even as I use the, the word darkness, and we, we press into our willingness to, to confront the darkness in our hearts and our lives, would, would you protect us from the work of the enemy that will just automatically bring shame and automatically try and protect? Will you help us to realize that, that that's where you're at? That we can find you even in our darkness? Thanks, God. We love you. Amen. If you have your Bible, I hope you do, grab Matthew 20, open up to Matthew 28. It's about... I don't know, five-eighths of the way through here. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab one that's right around you. And uh, if you don't have one at all or just like the covers of these, grab one of those and put your name in it. We grab a pen. We're just going to look at about uh, maybe 10 verses initially, and we'll see how our time goes. Um, and I still haven't found it yet. It's, oh, it's after chapter 27. There it is. Chapter 28. Um, after Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. Man, I was just, I was just struck with, that, that's like every woman I know. They, they've just gone through this horrific time of grief and difficulty and sorrow. They're in the middle of it. And you know what they do in the middle of this? They, they think, oh, I've got to get up. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to gather some stuff because I'm going to go demonstrate love to someone I love. Just like so many women I know. Come to Mother's Day, would you? It's in a couple weeks. We're going to have an incredible day here together celebrating and honoring women. And then what Matthew does here, we know from other places, um, is, is he's, kinda, he's kind of saying, here's what's happening with Mary's, and then here's what's happening in another, in another part, kind of a little flashback. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, uh, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love that he just sat on it. It's like, what's up? Um, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were afraid so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And then he kind of brings them all together right here. And the angel said to the woman, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy underline that we can be both right afraid but filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples and suddenly Jesus met them greetings he said and they came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him and then Jesus said to them don't be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me man um, here, here's what we know that, that Jesus was raised from the dead before they got there which, which means simply this, God is at work, even in the dark, God is at work. And man, I, th I think it's so important that we understand that, because I think sometimes we, we get this either or kind of mentality, we're like, oh, if I'm going through a difficult time, or I'm going through some darkness, or even if I'm even making bad choices, then God is, God's work is far from me. But, but we know that's not true, God is at work. I was going to say, if you're into memorizing scripture, memorize this first, but I'm just going to ask you, whether you are or not, please be into memorizing scripture, and memorize this first. John 5, 17 just says this. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Do you know what that means? It means God's at work. In, in the light, and in the dark, in the easy places, and in the difficult places, in those, play, in those times in your life where you're making great decisions, in those times in your life you're making bad decisions, you know what's true? God is at work. God is at work. Jesus' body after the resurrection was really weird. 
Here's, well, what we know about it is weird. We know that he walks through walls and also he eats fish. Not sure how, I don't know how those two things could happen. Like it's see if he could do one or the other, right? But not like both. Uh, what we know though is that, that he didn't need the stone rolled away to get out. The stone wasn't rolled away for him to get out. The stone was rolled away so that Mary and her friends could look in. You see the invitation of the angel? Come and see where they laid him. Come and look for yourself. And I, I love that the angel moved the stone. We know in Mark, they, they, were, they were worried as they, the women were walking to the, to the tomb. They're like, who's gonna roll the stone away for us? And, and we find out that the angel moves the stone away. And, and I've been sitting with this question all week in my life personally when I think about when I think about my closet of, of darkness, and, and that's kind of, that's filled with, with shame, that's filled with hurt, that's filled with things I'd rather not kind of deal with, that are uncomfortable to deal with, that are, that are uh, maybe a little less than exciting to deal with. I would just kind of rather have it on the side. And you know what I realized? Um, sometimes I need God's help to kind of roll that stone away to get my, to, to, so I can look into those, into those dark places. And then so I just ask you, man, what stone do you need rolled away today? What's, what are some areas in your life that, you, that you've kind of said, man, I would, I would rather not deal with that right now. I'd rather not deal with that thing in the past. I'd rather not deal with that thing that I'm struggling with right now. I'd rather not deal with this thing that's coming in my future that just feels dark and scary. And here's the great thing. Jesus wants to roll that stone away because he wants to invite you, just like he invited the women, to come look at that thing. Darkness is not always the enemy. It can be the signal for the beginning of hope. Can you imagine? Come and see the place where he lay. He's risen. Come see the place where he lay. And so they stick their head. They, they look into this into this dark tomb, and he's not there. There's that hope that begins to build up, like, could it be true? Could this be true? Could it not be maybe the end of the story? Barbara Brown Taylor talks about this also. She said it starts in the dark. And then she goes on to talk about the seed in soil and the baby in the womb and Jesus in the tomb Life starts in the dark. If you like my, this is my little, I was gonna say Walmart. This is more like an Ace Hardware seed display, right? This is kind of, this is less Walmart, more Ace Hardware, right? And we'll just put ourselves in these little, we'll just say we're these little seeds and some of us are tall Utah 70-20 improved celery and some of you are little carrots and some of you are tender, sweet snap peas and in your, in your nice little clean, nicely hand-painted thing, all organized neatly, kind of thinking that, that you're loving life, right? Does life get any better than this, being this little thing? And then and we'll just take one of our little snap pea buddies here, maybe this snap pea seed gets out of his little thing. And uh, maybe he gets out and he falls down. 
and lands in like this dirt and mud? You imagine how horrified and sad these, these guys would be for their little buddy? Like, oh, snap pea seed. Oh, you don't get to live this life like we, this clean life, this comfortable life, this well-decorated, nice picture on our front, dry kind of life. Poor pea seed. He was a good one, wasn't he? They tell stories about, about how great that pea seed was and how much they liked him and and then they eventually forget him and until a few weeks later, they're like, hey, did that ground move? I think it did. And maybe a couple days later, they, they, this little green thing pops up. And then, then it's unmistakable. Then this, this pea plant starts growing there and, and starts producing these beans with all of these pea seeds inside them. Can you imagine how, how their attitude around their safe, little, clean, little life in all, in light, and never in dark kind of compares? Jesus puts it like this. He says, Very, verily I tell you, like truly, truly I tell you, like listen really carefully, here's the deal. Unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And, and a lot of times facing our darkness is a lot like death. So it's a lot like laying down our, our desire to, to be protected maybe, to, be, to stay safe and comfortable. But what we need to know and what I, hear, what I hope that, that you hear when you go through difficulty is not, man, uh, if God loved you, this wouldn't happen. Jesus loved Peter and he loved Mary and he loved John and they experienced the worst Thing that has ever happened to the, to the greatest man that's ever lived. It had nothing to do with the fact that God loved them or not. God loved them. What we have to remember is God is with us even in our darkness. Even in our darkness. Whether, we, whether somebody else chooses that difficulty or we choose that difficulty. But look what David says. And just write one Psalm 139. Just read it when you get home. David said this. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. That word depths is this word sheol. That means this. It's Old Testament for the abode of the dead, the place of the dead. It's, it, it's a place of no return without praise of God, the, the places that the wicked are sent. Go, go back one verse, would you, Greg? Thanks. Look what it says. It doesn't say if someone pushes me into the depths, Right? Doesn't say if I accidentally stumble and fall in the depths. It's like if I make my bed in the depths, like I am choosing to go as far from God as possible. I'm gathering up supplies so I can make a bed here. Even there you're here. And then David goes on in Psalms and he says this, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark for you. The light will shine like day for darkness is as light to you. God is with us in, in our dark places, wanting to bring redemption and life and light, not to, just, not to just prop us up and say everything's okay, but to actually bring transformation. Does that make sense? To walk with us through transformation. Jesus brings light into the darkness. And uh, if, if we're not willing to admit there's darkness, then we're not gonna experience him there. 
And so I just encourage us, invite us to, to reframe our lives around this, this idea, this reality of the resurrection that, that says no one is too far, that no darkness is too dark, that no closet is too big, no stone is immovable. And, and invite Jesus to meet you into the, in those places, those uncomfortable places. I closed my Bible, but I have one more thing. Let's, let's look at the end of Matthew 28. Sorry, if you didn't close yours. I'll be faster this time finding it, maybe. Nope, still slow. Here we go, 18. It's the reason that we're here today, that, that this church exists. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Helping, so discipling is like making saying, I'm here, you're there, you can come here so I can go there. It's, if you've been mountain climbing or, uh, or caving or something, you, if you go on a team, like, you go up and then you go, oh, hey, yeah, put your foot right there, put your hand right there and come up to here. And then you have someone helping you go to the next thing and then you help that person. That's what, this, that's what it means to make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's why we do baptism here because we're commanded to by Jesus baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's, that's what we want to be about. We want to be about a, a, a church that um, is meeting people, not, not uh, after they're washed up and cleaned up, but just in whatever mess that they're in, because we just realize we're in a mess too. And you know what our world needs? Our world needs a community of people, a community of women and men, who are reframing their mind and their heart and their lives and their schedules and their budgets, all those things around the reality of the resurrection in such a way that floods this world full of darkness with light. Isn't that we just go um, say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, but we sit with people in their darkness, right? We love them there. Because that's what we're called to do. Would you bow your heads and we can pray together? Jesus, <laughs> You know it's impossible to, to teach a word that um, will make an impact on every single person in this room. And that's why we're depending on, on you, the Holy Spirit, because you're the teacher. And when you're the teacher, that can happen. And we depend on you. I depend on you every day. So, so God, as a, as a family, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work would cultivate in our minds and our hearts uh, what kind of stones need to be rolled away, what, what, what are hiding, maybe even hiding from ourselves. And this invitation to, to look into the dark and see what it reveals about you and what it reveals about us and that you are there with us. That, that our difficulty, even the things that we choose to run away from you does not hide us from your presence but you are always at work. Open our eyes and our ears to your work now, this week, this month, and the rest of our lives. We love you and are thankful for you. Amen.